I'm Caleb Rowe, and this is the Air of Grievances podcast. Today's episode features an interview with my oldest friend, uh, Daniel Williams. We were neighbors growing up in uh, LaGrange, Kentucky, in Oldham County. Um, We were next-door neighbors. We also went to the same church together. Um, Our church was pretty much synonymous with the community that we grew up in. All of our neighbors attended the same church, DeHaven Baptist Um, So he and I have a very, very similar background as far as our spirituality, as well as just growing up and the things that we got into at the same time. Uh, We also started composing our own music at the same time, some of which were collaborative. Uh, Daniel and I have always been very, very close friends. Unfortunately, uh, we're separated by distance now, and we don't communicate nearly as much as we'd like to. However, we are working on a musical project now called Borowick. It's a bit of a folky, kind of neo-folk project. He plays guitar and uh, writes lyrics, and I play the banjo and a little bit of guitar and also uh, write some, some lyrics as well. This is an interview with him and all sorts of things. We talk about career changes, um, the comfort in laziness, growing up and acquiring initiative. We also discuss God. Is God a sadistic asshole? Like the impression that we got from uh, the teachings or at least the perceived teachings of our church growing up? Or is God love? Is God a loving father? Which I absolutely believe. And though Daniel may not exactly uh, elocute it, he may not express it in those words exactly, I think that you'll see uh, from the things that he says that that is more of the camp that he is in. He is a very, very loving person, a very giving person, and extremely intelligent. And he has matured over these past few years just beyond words and I'm very impressed with him and honored to call him a close friend so here is my interview with Daniel Williams friend in the world, Daniel Williams. We grew up in uh, LaGrange, Kentucky, next door neighbors. Ever since we were little kids, I was three, he was, what, four? 
No, wait, no. Yeah. It's for you or three, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you're older. You're older. Um, we were next door neighbors, so we hung out all the time. And um, I was always super duper bossy. Uh, I remember one time you said, "I can't wait until I'm older than you, so I can boss you around." And at the time, That's I was like, so "That's funny. absurd." But then looking back on it, I was like, "Man, <laughs> I'm kind of an asshole to this kid." <laughs> but we were still friends, That's and we funny. we still got along real well, and uh, shared a lot of common interests. And things yeah. like that. Um, so, and our families also were, were really similar. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you were the oldest of your siblings. Mm-hmm. I was the oldest of five boys. You had what? Let me think. You had two brothers and two sisters? That's correct. Yeah, two brothers and two correct. sisters. There, there and were five we, of us we both well. grew up in a, in a very secluded not only Southern Baptist neighborhood, but a neighborhood that exclusively attended the same Southern Baptist church. Yeah, yeah. Do you see that factoring into, like, how your brain was wired as a kid? Uh, as much as I'd like to be like, no, I'm super independent and, and like, strong-willed, yeah, I, I think it was a big um, factor in, you know, how I thought and acted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever, it's, it's kind of hard to word this, but like, did you ever feel like gung ho, like all about church and religion? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I, I remember literally like singing the, what I would identify now as like emotionally manipulative, repetitive praise and worship songs. Uh-huh. I would sing those on the bus when I was a kid. Oh wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember sitting there and like looking out the window of the school bus and singing some, you know, some chorus to some praise and worship song just over and over and over again. Mm, wow. I, you, you remember uh, Instant Messenger, AOL Instant Messenger, recently, recently died? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, AOL. I was super gung ho. I was, and I, I remember like I would talk with people on instant messenger about like you should go to church or you're gonna go to hell and do you know what hell is oh man so you were the first aol evangelist i don't know if i was the first but i definitely (laughs) continued the lineage of text-based like hell shaming Uh uh-huh yeah wow that's interesting so like long answer that should have been just like yeah i was gung-ho Wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah, into like all the way throughout middle school, high school, and all that. Would you say that your mm-hmm. fervor remained the same? No, oh no. I would say my my fervor uh, was was short lived uh, at best. Mm-hmm. I, I think by by the time I had gotten into middle school, I was more concerned with like my peer group's opinion than I was with like eternity in hell. Mm. Yeah. It had shifted. I, I, I think I, there was a point where I went to church for girls. Right. So right. It's like, Oh, there are cute girls there. Uh huh. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. <laughs> 
So, so you went to to youth group for the girls a lot of the times. Um, do yeah, you see that yeah. as like betraying the reason you were going, or was that just kind of a a hormonal thing to where it just kind of happened? I mean, it, honestly, like I was just there and hormonal. I think, like I, I was there because my family was involved with the church, and like I was going to be there, and I was also, you know, just running around hormones are raging 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 cajun uh-huh. or something some 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 applicable euphemism <laughs> there's a lot of them that i can't think of i'm sure uh-huh. um yeah. along the line and i it's been a minute since we've talked like we were best best friends yeah. growing up yeah um and I guess before I jump too far ahead of myself, I know, like, we both started, like, using drugs at the same time, you know, yeah. and we both started kind of questioning things at the same time and pushing mm-hmm. against, not, necessi- not necessarily or exclusively the church, but pushing against all the social norms and the uh, the morality associated with our culture at the same yeah. time, you know, we wanted to be rebels, yeah. as it yeah. were. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um and for me personally, I tried to balance that tightrope to where I was smoking weed every day and, and drinking on weekends, but I was still, I don't know if you remember, for, for a little while there, I was still the church, like, worship leader. You yeah, know? yeah, I remember being at those uh, church worship rehearsals. Oh, yeah, yeah. didn't you play bass? I played bass, and I did soundboard stuff after I was... I don't know if I did the soundboard before or after. I think it was before I played the bass, I did the soundboard. And then I was playing the bass. Uh-huh. Do you feel but like... Yeah, I, I do. I do remember um, us starting that, you know, that phase and still being a part of both worlds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did you feel any sort of, like, internal conflict over that? Like, you had to hide one aspect of your life against the other? Um, yeah, but not not so much because of, like, conflicting ideologies. I don't think I thought that deeply into my behavior at that point. You know, like, why am I doing this? I think it was more of, if I get caught smoking weed, I'm going to be in big trouble with my parents. Right, right, right. You know that that because that's the that's the end all be all at that point in your life is like, or at least for me it was just like, if my mom and dad find out I'm doing X and Y, you know they're going to be Z amount pissed. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So it's more of a fear of your home life than a fear of the you know the fires of hell or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and and not even not even to like be like oh my my household was frightening or anything, but like any any I think any kid with respect for his for his mom and dad would when when they start entering that phase of their life that they did the same thing they would you know feel that apprehension. It wasn't as much about anger as it was like I knew how disappointed they would be. Mm, oh yeah, sure. Because the like old, yeah, disappointment yeah. is the worst. With parents. It, yeah, yeah. And, you know, even, like, a couple of years ago, this is, this is kind of weird, and I don't know how I feel about this, but I went back 
for Thanksgiving a couple years ago, and I went to the band director for the high school because I I just kind of dipped out of there at, at a certain point, and I told him I was like I always kind of felt like I had let you down, like I had disappointed you, mm. and he was like no, you know, and it, it was it was nice because he was really you know honest and forthcoming, and I think people were more concerned that you wouldn't catch traction and like find direction in life more so that, Oh, you're not going to complete the specific sequence of tasks or like mm. for okay, band, yeah. it was like, Oh, I, I never made all state band and I never like lived up to my band potential or whatever. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think those kind of figures are more concerned with people just finding their way generally. Right. Yeah. And, um, I see this with no offense uh, you know, or uh, malicious intent at all, but to me, yeah. it's just like fascinating that you went from being a restaurant worker to, mm-hmm. in a blink of an eye, you're literally a freaking rocket scientist now. Well, so that's another thing. I, I actually just talked to my youngest sister, Maria. Mm for a while the other day she's in morocco she's been in morocco for several months uh with a study abroad thing and she was like what are you going to school for so now i'm a computer science major and i for a while there i was like oh i want to be i want to do propulsion i want to be i want to work on rockets and i was really into that and i i couldn't even pinpoint like one exact thing it was hard to find a school that had a program that would support that so I ended up just like basically finding what I would equate as the next best thing kind of mm-hmm. and did the computer science um, program at, uh, at University of South Carolina Upstate. Um, and, I, and I lucked out because it's, it's really cool. I was listening to your episode with Sam and he was talking about how he's interested more in the hardware side going into, uh, into designing actual components and um, I thought that was cool because I, I also, I wrote notes on that on that episode, and I wrote that uh, he likes critical thinking and problem solving, which are like two really key things for for both on the software and hardware side of computers. Oh so, wow, cool! That's awesome. I, I do like I I went from serving tables, and now I'm I'm tutoring people in like all the way from algebra up to calculus classes and some programming classes and it's a really big um change of environment and change of work like this is i i told beth um i guess for all the all the um people who who don't know my wife beth but uh i told her that i was surprised that i i was even good at the tutoring because <laughs> it's so different and uh i don't know nice yeah fulfilling yeah do you think that um it's a millennial thing to where we're kind of scatterbrained at first and we try one career we try another career Mm -hmm. a lot of us drop out of college along the way before we finally find a passion that we're like synced into i know for me personally that's how i was yeah i'm nearing 30 and i'm just now figuring out like this is my passion this is what i want to do with my life well i think the the tempting thing is to like get on that bandwagon that says okay you finish high school and then 
you do college for four years mm-hmm. if you're slow. Like if you're good, you you graduate early and you know exactly what you're going to do and you do that for you know 50 years and then you wait to die. <laughs> but I I don't think it's that simple. I I told Maria in our in our talk the other day that I found what I wanted to do in bits and pieces and I'm I'm still getting you know little pieces here and there. It's a good way to put it. You know so. It, it, it's not. It's not like you go from zero to one hundred. Mm, you know, no, no, you, no. you you yeah. you pick up a percent here or a percent there, totally. and, yeah. and and build. You know, yeah. so it's and no one no one tells you that. No one's like be open and be flexible and try and find little pieces of what you might like to do. They say figure it out. Like pick your major. You right. know? Like pick your major and don't change it. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I, I, I don't think that's a realistic expectation for for people. Now that being said, there's a lot of people that do that. You know, maybe maybe not a lot. I guess it's I don't have numbers in front of me or anything. But, right, right, right. You know, I'm, I'm sure that works for some people, but to answer your question in in a word, uh, I would I, I think I would have to say yes that I think it is especially prevalent in in our generation. Mm. Um, this this kind of like you said scatterbrained. Yeah, um, and it can look on the outside as laziness. Oh yeah, you know it, it can it can feel from the inside like laziness, especially sure like too, if you're yeah. legitimately being lazy. Like mm-hmm. for a long time, for several years, I was just lazy. Yeah, you know, it, me too, man. It, it, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't blame it on weed, but it sure didn't help. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that statement. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's easy to get comfortable, and it, it um, really is. You know, when you're comfortable, you want to maintain that level of comfort, mm-hmm. and especially things like laziness and substances, which I wouldn't even put into separate categories necessarily, or say one causes the other. You know, but um, they definitely. Well, I don't think to, the relationship is that linear, but I think they are. Yeah, involved, they give fuel you know? to that. I think. Yeah, and, and especially if that's if that's where you're at already, if that's you know if that's your circumstance, it's only going to exasperate that circumstance. Totally, yeah. It's it's, it's just going to bring it out, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know you, you're not going to like roll up that last blunt and be like, oh, now I have self control. <laughs> like, like that never happens. That's just not totally. That's not yeah. What happens? I think it's at least honestly, in my experience. It's almost. Um, I don't know if self-fulfilling prophecy is the right word, but, like, mm-hmm. after you've been, you know, smoking weed honestly makes you think about things in a way that you weren't thinking about them. And so, yeah. you know, sitting around for long enough thinking deeply and thinking about all these things, eventually you're going to come to the conclusion that, like, holy shit, what am I doing with my life, you know? Hey. Exactly. Exactly. And and whether people are are going to be direct about how they deal with that, or if they do something similar to what I did and just started drinking all the time and being overtly like confrontational mm. and just generally a drag to be around. Yeah. I think the technical term for it is a gloomy goose. I was, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I responded to that realization really poorly, and then I, I don't even. I do know the the moment that I realized I had to 
at least stop being so angry was like we were working at this uh, chain restaurant and um, Beth and I worked together and we weren't married yet. That's just so awful. You know, it's just awful is the right word. Yeah. And Beth called her grandma to come pick her up and like take her to her house because she wasn't even going to stay with me. And I saw her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I and I realized I saw her as like this olive green Buick. It pulled into the parking spot. And I was like, oh shit! I knew who it was and I knew why she was there. Yeah. And it didn't happen like immediately. You know, it's still something that I'm that I'm working on now. But that's I think when I realized I had to I had to do something. Yeah. Things like that can be real smack enough. in the face, you know, like like having kids that, I mean, that, or you getting married yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. It's like, oh shit, I need to grow up right now, or you know, I need to, yeah. I need to get my my ducks in order, sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I always take this turn in the podcast. I'm sure you know it's yeah, coming. Yeah, I knew. I knew. I was waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when's it going to come? Yeah. Where, where are you at, like, um, spiritually right now? Like, do you have a spiritual element of your life, um, or is that just not something you think about? So it's it's I it's not something that I think about. It's it's something that I do. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, so it's like thinking about things is cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad to think about things. That's that's cool and it's it's good to think about things. But what what you do, I, I I'm not gonna say like for sure is what you do is more powerful than what you think because ideas are powerful too. But actions, I think, are are, are at least equally as important as ideas, if not more. And so yeah. Yeah, 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 because. It's that stupid Gandhi bumper sticker quote, man. Be the change. Be willing to be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. And so, like, if I don't want to live in a world of angry, cynical people unwilling to try to see my viewpoint, maybe I shouldn't be angry and cynical and unwilling to see other people's viewpoints. Totally, dude, yeah. You know? And so I just, like, I try not to be a a loathsome human being. Mm. Um, I try to help people. I think that's the, the biggest net gain for me in my tutoring job is being able to help people accomplish something. That's beautiful, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and honestly, it made me want to pursue, um, teaching at, at the college level. And that's awesome. I'm a teacher now too, actually. Yeah, I, I, I had heard in one of your episodes that you were teaching preschool, yeah. which I, I applaud you. I don't have the patience for grown Dude, people, so. <laughs> I don't have the patience. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I were, if I had to work like an extra yeah. two hours a day, I'd be like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, that, but yeah that, teaching that is great, day, man. Because like, it sounds so hokey, but that's mm-hmm. literally how you um, affect what the world will become. Yeah. You know? And and to tie into the spirituality thing, like, I think that's the only, I think that's the closest thing to an afterlife. Mm. Is, oh, dude, is impacting, yeah. impacting behavior in, in future, you know, versions of our, of our, um, species. Of our matter. 
yeah. or reborn matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. If yeah. that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense. The, yeah. Because yeah, like even you know, I I identify as Christian just because I don't have a better term for it. I I yeah. kind of like the term uh, post Christian. Okay. Or like I for a while here I've identified as uh, agnostic Christian. Honestly, here recently down, yeah. I'm getting a lot closer to atheist Christian. And a lot uh, of people like, are like, "What? Like are you t- firmly not." firmly not theist and at the same time embracing the teachings of Christ kind of that's that's one take on it yeah another take yeah. is that god l- literally is love and love is literally yeah. god yeah and so uh, or god is the force of justice and god is the force of morality there's, I absolutely yeah. do not believe that God is a conscious dude Sentient making decisions. Being, yeah. You know, like, like oh, this like person in, dies in a car wreck today. <laughs> like in, uh, uh, is what's it called? Nano theology, or where like God's a super micromanager, something like that. It's where like, oh. like I don't think God's a, a dude. I don't even like the word. Honestly, I don't like the word God. And I'm sure a lot of yeah. has to do with my baggage of, like, growing up thinking that God is, like, this... I mean, the God that I knew growing up was honestly kind of an angry asshole. Yeah, It's like, if yeah. you're not in my club, if you don't say my special prayer, mm-hmm. then you're not in. And it's Dude, like, I was in... I was in... I can't remember what arena. It was a football stadium in, in Louisville at the Billy Graham crusade mm. and uh, they were saying, okay, you know, I'm sure they didn't exactly say this, but they basically said, if you say this, you won't spend eternity in, in the worst thing you can possibly imagine. Uh-huh. So I remember looking over to my parents and being like, I want to go do this. Like, not because I believe the doctrine, but because I had heard the part that's like, Oh yeah. And if you don't like, if you're not in this club, it's unimaginably right, terrible. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that fear. And any, you know, it, it, any fear based decision is like, I think, one, lying to yourself to tell you that, that you believe the opposite. Lying to yourself mm-hmm. to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on that team. Yeah, yeah I believe yeah. all these things. But really, the motivator is fear is not wanting to wind up in that place or whatever before i got to where i am now with like just being with helping people and and that kind of being my my guiding force is like what would help this person before that i i had thought a lot about what the bible says and i was like well if this is all true this is i boiled it down to God created mankind so he could send most of them to hell. Right. That's Calvinism. Like. Yeah. For real. And, and it seems so bizarre, but like they set it up. This dude knows everything. He's all powerful. He can, he can create the world any way he wants, but he creates everything so that this happens. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if it, if it happens and it's, and it's an an error, then the whole premise is moot, right? Right. Because yeah. that's that's not in the plan. Totally, yeah, man, totally, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's just and for a while I was like, 
this is crazy. And I was like, well, it's probably not true. Yeah. Like if it's so mind bendingly cruel, it's probably not the case. Like, yeah, it's like it, I don't know. It limit. It is. I don't say limit, but it, uh, you can't break out from being defined as a child who's scared of a vengeful dad. Well, and, and, it almost makes me think about just like a good way of controlling people. Like what's a, what's a good way of getting an entire culture to abandon what they've done for generations, to abandon their native language, to abandon all their traditions. Well, tell them if they don't do what you tell them to do, they're going to spend literally forever in the most terrible anguish you can possibly imagine. Right. It's it's a really, really powerful motivator. And it did great. You know, converting what what populations of native people survive mm-hmm. the in, initial you know outbreak of colonization sicknesses and, and whatnot those those who were left converted mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. And, and sometimes I think like those those surviving native peoples who converted to Christianity assume that all their friends and family that just died are burning in hell right yeah, now. Yeah, right. And, you know... Like, what a terrible thing. You could say the same thing to the pre-Jesus Jews. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're God's yeah. chosen people. God was with them. God was hanging out with them. But they weren't born before Jesus, so they're all going to hell. Oh, oh, oh. You know, yep. and, and, and of bad. course, there's theologians who will argue, oh, well... They were sanctified by the Lamb of God or whatever, this and that. Oh, man. But it's like, that does not hold a lot of water at the end of the day. Like, yeah. That's it, acrobats. It, it, that's it really doesn't. Acrobats, logically. You know? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make it any just sense. It doesn't work. And yeah. I, I think I said this, like, maybe on the, my last episode or something, but, like, if, mm-hmm. if God is love, then... According to Christianity, love can only exist in Christianity. So there is there is no love outside of Christianity. Yeah, which is uh, an absurd it's statement. Absurd. Again, absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. The reason I consider myself an inclusivist and not a universalist is because I wouldn't mm-hmm. say. Every single thing that calls itself a religion is right. You know, there's selfish cults. There's people who are out to deceive. There are people who are out intentionally being hypocrites yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, anything where the the core moral teaching is loving others and sacrificing yourself in the interest mm-hmm. of others... Like, mm-hmm. that is what we Americans call Christianity. I mean, and really, that's, I think that that set of ideas, like being humble and, and, and like you said, sacrificing yourself for the good of others, I think that's the only way that, like, people like to say, oh, you know, 20 years from now, technology will be blah, blah, advanced, and we'll be able to do such and such, and it'll be so much better. But I think you can you can give people as much technology as you want or as much, you know, opportunity for advancement as you want. And if people don't uh, if people aren't willing to go out of their way to help someone else, then you're not really going to make progress. Mm. 
you know, you're still, I, I was, I was frustrated the other day with nationalism, with like chest thumping because I was born here. Like I was born on this part of this planet and like F you <laughs> because like you're some shade of brown and like what, like what even is, is that concept, you know, and why it's so like tribalistic, right. you know, and counterproductive. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, totally. And it's not even a chosen tribe. Yeah, you know? it's not something that you're like, I'm going to do this. You just popped out there. Yeah. Like, there you were. Yeah. And, and also, it depends on how you define tribes. Like, if tribes of people mm-hmm. share similar beliefs, that's one thing. If tribes of people mm-hmm. sh- share similar sin- skin tones, that's another thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's like a moot point, like you said. It's it's just it's illogical, really. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. um, I heard some. I I read an argument. I don't remember who who was arguing. It was it was some atheist. uh, I don't know what the point of the conversation was. Like trying to religion shame someone. They were like, sounds like a neo atheist. You know, imagine. Yeah, and they they said, imagine, you know, you grab an apple out the top of a barrel of apples, a whole, like, 50-gallon barrel, and it's a garbage apple. And you grab 10 more apples, and they're all garbage. Well, you're going to assume that the rest of the the barrel is garbage, too. Um, And so their argument was, like, there can't be a God because there's so much terrible things going on, or there's there's so much suffering Mm. and, you know, death and anguish and... um, I was just like, I didn't think there could be a God because the way I was taught about God when I was a kid made no sense. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. The, I, know, I think I... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that the the majority of, of the suffering that you see, you know, all those rotten apples or whatever is just people not putting others first yeah, people right, not right. willing to sacrifice themselves yeah. you know and i i'm tempted I, it, to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say you know fuck christianity you know yeah um but can i read you this little excerpt from a book that i just started reading yeah yeah please yeah and this is just giving you my my uh perspective or whatever you know okay um, yeah this is the furthest thing in the world for me trying to like evangelize to you or something like that. Like I do not do that anymore. <laughs> I got a tract for you. I'll, I'll give you a tract. Okay. It's called Three Ways to Live. There we go. It'll probably I'm change excited. your uh, change your life. But it's it's like by it's this uh, this author okay. named Jay Baker. Okay. And he started a church called uh, Revolution. And, yeah. And they're like one of the very first uh, LGBTQ affirming churches. And um, okay, yeah, I've heard you talking about them. Oh, really? I think in the episode with Sam, you guys talked oh, about yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a sermon that um, that you had listened to by Jay. Yeah, like one of the main reasons I moved to Minnesota was to be a part of his church. That's why. Yeah, he was um, he was the son of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, who were like the very first televangelists. Wow. Yeah, and so they had this big falling out. His dad yeah. laundered a bunch of money from the church, had an affair, Ooh. 
And like, Ooh. there's just all this just ugly stuff. And he became an alcoholic when he was 12 years old. And he was just Ooh. like, fuck God. And he just like, you know, was not yeah. about it. And yeah. so he writes this thing in here. And when he uses the word God, he's talking about his, his concept of God. And he's an agnostic yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Honestly, that's where I got the idea of the term agnostic Christian because I feel like it describes you the best, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. But um, shame on you for for not creating your own unique individual moniker. Do what? No, I, I was being sarcastic. I was like, shame on you for. It, it's a good. It's a good phrase. I I, I, I like that. Yeah. As well. And his best friend is uh, Peter Rollins, who's my favorite yeah. philosopher. Slash kind of theologian, and, and he's an atheist Christian. But yeah. um, he says, uh, let's see, I'm just going to skim over this. He says, there are hundreds of gods. Every nation, religion, denomination, culture, and family has them. Everyone calls their own god, God. On street corners and television stations, people try to sell you on their god. They aren't secretive about it. They don't hint. The outright said, God told me this. God doesn't like that. That's not God. And if they're crazy enough, their sayings make it on YouTube in the hands of bloggers and tweeters, etc. And then he says, um, everyone's really just saying, well, my God. And then he says, what does it mean to someone who isn't familiar with a God moment? It sounds like God's in the, in the business of setting up and... It sounds like God's in the business of setting up meet and greets between wealthy Americans while ignoring the genocide raging in Darfur. The millions around the world yeah. living without clean water, babies dying from malnutrition, and drunks who get in cars and crash into new parents on the way home from the hospital. Have we thought about what it says about God, that God can arrange moments but fails to prevent catastrophe? What kind of God is that? Uh, so these are our gods. God who warns me to have everything from the perfect kids, the perfect 401k amount when I retire. God who makes me feel guilty about my running water and functioning electricity and makes me wonder why I'm not feeding children somewhere in the desert. God who wants me to be a manly man and hunt fish and look lustfully after my wife. God who wants me to vote Republican. And fight abortion and win wars. God who wants me to camp out with college students and fight the man over injustice. God who is angry and wants me to repent of my filthy sins or be sent to hell. God who has a spouse in mind for me only if I keep myself a virgin. God who has a plan for my life and wants me to be, I don't know, driven by purpose. God who causes natural disasters to warn us of our sins. Hidden behind all these gods, I suspect, is a reflection of our own prejudices, our inherent selfishness. When the old beat-up family van starts in the morning, we say, thank you, Jesus, because we know we should have changed the oil a week ago. But when it breaks down in the middle of the day, we say, why, God, what am I doing wrong? As we forgot about the oil change. As if God is up in the sky looking down... And upon seeing our sin, decides to break down the van, hoping we'll connect the two and shape up and finally fly right. Uh, I think there's one more thing. 
convinced that the events in our life are both our fault and not our fault. We use language that invokes meaning in the smallest of circumstances. I'm so blessed right now. Or the enemy is really attacking me. Or God must be trying to get my attention. Everything turns out to be a cosmic message to us from God. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. Go there. Don't go there. It is a self-centered view of God that plays itself out in a cosmic way for many evangelists. God is a father who says, Sure, I do love you, but if you don't love me in return... I'm afraid I'm going to have to take you out back and beat you to death for eternity. This is justice. There we go. And off, honestly, that sounds Sharp an awful guy, like the God that that we were raised in in the, in the like, yeah, church. That, that sounds familiar. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, man, I'm, I'm not willing to give up on the idea of God. Maybe not even as a being, honestly. But as a, as a, as justice or as as love, you know, things like that. We had talked previously, and you talked about how, and uh, and you mentioned that this was a, a real rabble rousing idea that even if Jesus Christ wasn't a real person, mm, yeah. that his teaching is is still that important. Yeah, and I I think that I I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that is an important doctrine. Because not a lot of people are going to tell you, help other people, even if it hurts you. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's, no one else is, maybe this isn't, I don't know how accurate this is as far as the world religions go, but I, I don't think that there are a lot of religions that say, like, love people who wish you harm. Yeah, exactly. Or are your you enemy, know, like, literally. And, yeah. yeah, and and you and you had you had said that it's so cool because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I think absurd. that that doctrine is important because that's the that's the kind of behavior we need if we want to. I think if we want to survive as a species for any amount of time, wow, like that's yeah. a really important mindset. Wow, you know, just thinking about not going extinct. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Because these ideas are cool and they're powerful, but, like, if there's no one on Earth to have them because, like, I was chest-thumping for America and someone else was chest-thumping for someone else, and then, like, yeah. you know, nuclear fallout yeah. will we'll kill all, all life on planet Earth, right? And then... Yeah. What does it matter? <laughs> and often, you know, it's freaking set. And this is why I've been wrestling over whether or not to call myself a Christian is because mm-hmm. a lot of times those chest thumpers are the ones who most loudly call themselves Christians, you know? Yeah, yeah. The Like the echoing in their chest cavity is like, Christian, Christian. Mm, right. You know, like every time they strike is yeah. just reverberating in there. And it's so core to their identity, too. Like, I'm a, I'm a conservative Christian male. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think a, that there's a, a danger thing. in Calvinism, and I don't know how much you've gotten into the whole, like, doctrines of it, but, like, thinking that you are the elite, that you are the elect. Yeah, like— the only one who's saved. I was chosen. Yeah, in, I, I am in this small group of, of chosen, saved people. Like I am not going to suffer for all eternity. And that's so. You remember earlier, early on in the interview, I said that impacting behavioral patterns in future generations of people is the closest thing I think I'll have to an afterlife. Yeah, 
I love that. I love so, that. So, um, ex- expanding on that a little bit, like the the idea of the individual soul being sentient and conscious for an infinite period of time. So, what happens is, as your sentient, conscious, individual, super special soul is existing for infinity that no matter how long you live on earth you could live on earth for 15 minutes or you could live on earth for 150 years because like you lived in 2150 and medicine's super awesome but as as your essence continues on for infinity that amount of time you spend as a human being will essentially disappear it will become undistinguishable from zero amount of time spent on the earth can you expand on that? I'm not sure I follow you there. So uh, imagine like imagine a fraction. Imagine like A over B, and B on the bottom of the fraction on on the uh, denominator. B is now infinity. It doesn't matter what's on top of that fraction. Mm. It could be the biggest number you want. It's the biggest number you could possibly think oh, of. Wow. But if infinity is on the bottom of the fraction, it that value is essentially zero. Wow. And so that's something that I encountered in discrete mathematics that made me think about my perception of the afterlife and, like, what does my life on Earth mean if I'm going to spend eternity as this blob of spirit i don't i yeah. don't know I've, I've actually had a couple of uh kind of fringe thoughts about the afterlife for a while i figured mm-hmm. the afterlife is is exclusively material as in mm-hmm. i'll become a tree which will come okay. to life and then that will bear yeah. fruit which will bear another tree which will come to life or my yeah. matter may become another person not you know not um in a shell but like dispersed and become mm-hmm. another person and stuff like that and then i've thought about it as like the string theory which kind is kind of parallel to what yeah. you're saying in that my reverberations will continue and and their characteristics will continue throughout mm-hmm. all of eternity is that anything close to what you're saying well i i think I think really this is this is something that I've I've been toying with recently is that like so I don't think there's the individual soul that lives forever. I don't think that that's how it happens, mm. but and it may be just because I'm really impressionable and I just read um Slaughterhouse 5 uh-huh. which I don't know if you if you have I'm but, familiar um, with it but I've not read it. Well, I started thinking about how I perceive time flowing by and how I, you know, how perception in general and, um, like what, you know, the, the whole idea, like what if there's some other quality of reality and I just don't have the sensory organ to perceive it. Um, but kind of building off that and thinking, well, I looked at some really interesting, like, graphic representations of four-dimensional shapes Mm. and they have this weird like folding almost infinite quality and so it made me think what if the past and the present and the future are all existing all the time Mm. and i experienced this linear progression through time you know one 
one discrete amount of time after the other, strictly forward or front to back, you know, strictly in one direction. And I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do to ever prove or disprove right, that sure, thought. Sure, sure. But, but it's fun to think about. Like, do you yeah, think is, that while you are in your vessel of Daniel, mm-hmm. that um, that you are Daniel, or that you're a collection? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so that's something that I think of a lot. Is like, am I this? You know, am I what I look down and see? Like these two legs and this like torso right. and arms. In my but thoughts, I mean more in my like tendencies. psychologically. Like, do you think that? Yeah, you will always think Am the way and react the way that you do. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, when, when I studied Buddhism for a little while, uh, and this isn't a Buddhist teach. Well, this is an extra, extrapolation from a Buddhist teaching, but um, mm-hmm. it talks about how we are vessels like glasses of water. And our ether or our soul or whatever the term is gets poured from one glass to another. But, like, maybe one glass is too big, so it has to get poured into a few different smaller glasses. And so it's like a part of you goes on to be this thing, and a part of you goes on to be, and part of you Mm -hmm. precipitates and rains, you know, and a part of you goes on to. is, Is that kind of along the same line? I don't know. I don't know if I would support. Or is it that. just that we're all um, just one thing? I, I want to say that I, I don't think we're all just one thing. Um, I, I mean, maybe this is just like wishful thinking. I want to believe in like the individual. Mm. You know, I, I want to believe in free will, and I want to think that there are choices. But then there's this voice in the back of my head that's like, "What if?" the choice is an illusion. Like what if the way I go through time is really, really, really limited? You know, what if like I've got blinders on and I can only see so much. Right. Because I wonder if, if it were individualistic, then wouldn't Mm -hmm. we eventually run out of individuals or substance to compose the individuals? Yeah, you know, it, it's not an easy question to <laughs> yeah. answer. You know? um, like my my so when people say like I believe this and I believe that, I'm really really hesitant to espouse specific beliefs. Like my quote unquote belief structure is super dynamic. Yeah, like it's not static at all. And it's so different from when I was little because it was unchanging. Yeah, same. And now same. it's just constant flux. Like, one day I'll be like, yeah, I should probably go to hell. And the, and the next day I'll be like, well, that's ridiculous mm-hmm. to say that anybody should go to hell and, and you know, get that kind of punishment. Yeah. And Do you believe in hell? I don't know. It, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't – not the way – not the way – it's described in Christianity and yeah. Judeo modern day Judeo Christianity, uh-huh. like not eternal punishment. Um, I think that mediocrity and selfishness is a kind of hell. Mm. 
I, I think an inability to realize your potential, you know, these are the kinds of things that I associate with, like, I, I guess just negativity. Mm. You know, I, I, I see when I, when I start to see those things in myself, I'm like, man, I don't, I, this is bad. You know, like when I start to get stagnant or I, I want to be lazy or selfish and like it happens every day too. Like, it's not like I'm just, Oh, you know, I'm not selfish yeah, anymore. Yeah, I'm not cured. a selfish person because, Oh my God, I'm, I'm such an, I'm such a, a, a piece of garbage sometimes. Yeah, right. But like, it's, yeah, it's right. again, it's dynamic. Like, Sometimes you make the right decision and sometimes you make the wrong decision. Yeah. But I think that there is there. I don't know. Like I said, I don't believe in, in the hell that we were taught about, but there there's gotta be some consequence for maybe not consequence is the right word, mm. but there, some you would, opposite reaction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there's, if there's a reward, there has to be a punishment. Mm. It does that. Yeah. Maybe that's so do you just going reward? back to that. I don't know. I don't know. Do you man. believe in a deity? <laughs> um. Or a there's fate? some. So there's some compulsion that I feel to to help other people, even to the detriment of myself. And if you like, if you want to, like you were saying that God is love, then I think that's the closest thing I could get there is that, that, that knowing what I need to do and whether or not I, I do that action is, is, you know, dynamic and it's not going to, it'll be one way or the other, but. Have you ever heard of the philosopher hmm. John Caputo? I haven't. He's um he's kind of branded as a mm-hmm. progressive Christian philosopher but um yeah. his kind of big line is God does not exist God insists which, yeah. which sounds really yeah. abstract but no I I dig that But it though. essentially boils down to in our acts of love there is God yeah, yeah. And without our acts of love, there is no God. Yeah. I think that's pretty tight. I, yeah, I, I, exactly, exactly. I, I think that's a, I think it's a pretty accurate description. I think that a lot of structured religion, I think part of it, part of big structured religion has to do with controlling people's behavior. Oh, God, yeah. And I think, I think its core, I think it's like humanity's attempt to deal with the concept of death. Mm, yeah, sure. Like what, you know, what comes next? Mm-hmm. And that's when we were at, we went to the church service on the on the 25th at DeHaven Baptist mm. with the family. And they, they were singing songs that I do not like and songs with lyrics about like Jesus reversing death and like reversing death sting and mm. all this stuff. And I'm like, can we just be okay with dying? Like right. why, why do we insist that we have to go on and on and on? Like I, I got to the point at the end of my Christian stint where I was like, do I really want to be in, 
in like Christian heaven forever. Mm. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, um, I hate to put in a plug in the middle of a podcast. That no probably, plug, man. That probably sounds like like I'm evangelizing or something. But I really think no. you would enjoy uh, Jay Baker's podcast. He, um, okay. He, like whenever he posts tweets about his upcoming services, one, we meet in a bowling alley. We used to meet in a bar. That's cool. But now we yeah, meet in a bowling alley. Cool. We don't have any music. He talks for about half an hour. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of emphasis on Jesus as a man. And mm-hmm. um, his most recent sermon was was about how Jesus was a criminal, about how he, yeah. he was executed as a criminal, and everyone saw him as a criminal as a drunk. Yeah, you know, and 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 that you had even mentioned in one of those previous podcasts that he he wasn't even like, no, you guys you guys got me all wrong, like that's not what's going on at all. Oh yeah, which I thought was an interesting observation. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he, he didn't really put up too much of a fuss. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Jesus was a Calvinist. A Calvinist. He was like, "Oh, this is just this is just how it is." You know, I was predestined to. Just I don't know if he would have had like a this, ministry so. for Calvinists. Yeah, he'd been yeah. like, ah, "God's got to figure it out." Yeah, yeah, but their fate's already wrote in stone. So. You might have heard, because um, I think I think I've said this on the podcast too. But when mm-hmm. on the cross, when Jesus says, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" That's the moment mm-hmm. that Jesus became an agnostic or an atheist. Huh. Well, I because he said God would an atheist even ask a question to God, right. or would he's they be like, "Oh, God. I'll just save my breath because he's not That's there." That's a good point. Yeah, but you know, he's saying, "I don't see you. You forsaken me. Where are you?" You know. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, the, the scripture says, "And God turned his face from him." Yeah. So. How can God like, turn his face from probably, God? Yeah, because he's a dude. He's like this Ted Nugent guy up there just rocking out on like a wicked sweet guitar. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think you dig it though, man. And I've never been okay. to a church where the like pastors are supposed to have all the answers, you know? Yeah. And I've never been to a church where the pastor says, I don't know if God's real or not. And it's like, I mean, props, it's refreshingly dude. honest. Do what? I said that's refreshingly honest. Yeah, to, it's, dude, he's to, so, so honest. It's awesome. It's badass. Yeah. And he went on this tour recently with um, this really, uh, this really famous uh, lesbian comic, where okay. they played. Um, they played venues, comedy venues, and she would open up and get everyone laughing, and then he would come up, and one of the first things he would say is, I'm sorry. He'd be like, guys, yeah. I'm so sorry for all the things my people have done to you. He's like, we have been, we have been assholes, we have been pretentious, we've been judgmental, and he's just like... Yeah. If there's any way for us to start over, please can we start over? Because this yeah. book is actually about loving everybody. And for a little while there, and you you even started to bring this up um, 
when I very, very first started going back to church, um, every once in a while I would meet with this guy who's around my age who went to the church, and um, he was really, really open-minded, but he would say... Mm-hmm. Um, he would, like, ask me all these theosophical questions, and I'd be like, man, if I can be honest with you, like, I don't give a damn if Jesus was a real dude. Like, the life lessons yeah, I learned Yeah, I remember you guy, telling me about that conversation. Do what? I, you told me about that oh, conversation. You about that? And you said, you said you were apprehensive about opening up and, and, and talking about that with someone from that church because you were afraid of, of the backlash. Exactly. And then you... And you you brought that up, and he's like, exactly right. Like, it's it's about loving people and not about this person being a person, definitely a person at this time. Yeah, which, you know, the you, you mentioned this in, in the Sam episode about all the, like, ridiculous Christmas traditions that we just got done observing, like... For sure, yeah, totally. Know, it's, it's and even more recently, um, like, right before he left... Mm-hmm. I said, um, I, I don't see at all how the historicity of this affects in real life how I love other people. Yeah. You know? And and he was like, well, how do you feel about the resurrection and this and that? And it's like, that'd be great. Like, that's that's a great story and yeah. everything. Maybe lightning yeah, struck exactly. the tomb. Yeah, exactly. Good story. And it electrocuted you back to life or something. There were some bitch and Michael Bay explosions yeah, involved. Exactly, but like, I, I just it does not make sense to me that God presses pause, like does a little Gumby thing where he rearranges everything, yeah. and then presses play. It's like if you think that God wrote the laws of physics, why in the hell is he going to violate them? Instead of working within them, it's more challenging. It's more yeah. beautiful. It's more intricate. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. It's a more graceful solution. Yeah. Um, something interesting. So uh, one one big one big interesting thing. So there is a passage of scripture that says it's good for a believer to marry another believer, and like you don't want to uh, like something about like uneven burden on oh, unequally yoked. Yeah, yeah. unequally yoked. There we go. And and so you know, Beth and I are married, and she's not like I'm a Christian. She doesn't say that, but she are you saying you're a Christian? Is n- no. So I actually we were driving home from Kentucky. We've been in the car for about eight hours, and we're going through Asheville, which is high elevation, really really cold. And this woman's just on the side of the road hanging out a gas can. And, like, she's clearly out of gas. And I am, dude, I'm 45 minutes from the house. I'm ready to be home. And I see that woman, and Beth sees that woman, and we look at each other. And, like, I knew the, the, the I guess you could say the God thing to do, the love thing to do is turn around and help that person. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, I failed. I was going to keep driving. I was going to feel bad about it later and be like, oh, I should have done that. But Beth was like, we need to help that That's woman. God, dude. Like, call yourself what you exactly. want. Exactly. Like, that That was it. Call that yourself was it what right you want. There. That was the most, the most God thing I've ever experienced yeah. was her saying, we've been in this car for eight hours, and we're going to be in it for 30 more minutes because we're going to go help that lady. Yeah. And That's the Good so Samaritan. I, and guess what? The Good Samaritan wasn't even a freaking Jew. 
Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the Gentile to the rescue or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the woman's name, uh, oh, what was it? Diane with two N's. She was like, what's your name? Oh, you, you there, man? Okay. I thought I lost you for a second. Yeah, hey, I'm here. Okay. Um, but she asked me, I went back to the car, and she was like, thanks so much. God bless you. And she was like, you must be a Christian, right? And I was like, no, I say I, I'm a mild atheist. Like, it's it's hard to say there's no God. Yeah, right. And that's not what I believe. Yeah. And plus, atheism has come with all this baggage. Exactly, like, yeah. resentment. Yeah. You know? and, I mean, she was really surprised to hear me say, like, no, I'm not a Christian. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I did just stop in the middle of my way home yeah. and no questions asked, get you some gas because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what someone would say coming from that Christian's perspective. Well, if there, if there's no God, then what's right? You know, what's, what is, right. where is that coming from? And exactly. it's just like, like, it, arguably it almost, she could, I, even, she could even said that was not love for you to do that. Yeah. Because you yeah, weren't because Christian. I'm not in, I'm not in the a Christian. Exactly. Yeah. But did you see the title just, of that episode I did with my dad? That was, uh, some of the best Christians I've met are Buddhists. Yeah, I did see that. Title. I haven't gotten my favorite that title. That's a really good title, man. The episode it's like <laughs> nailed it. Way to build it up for me, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. No, I, yeah, I think that'd be the takeaway. Yeah, for do sure. Do irrationally, do irrational things for other people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's something <laughs> else. I like. I don't want to only be endorsing "quote unquote" uh, Christian thinkers and philosophers. But um, a lot of Christians would say he's not mm-hmm. a Christian. But uh, John Caputo, yeah. dude, like mm-hmm. everything that you said is a hundred percent up his alley. He has this quote. He says, "God's imagination is not limited to Christianity." Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's good. He's just like he's. Oh man, he's so good. But I, I really, I think you'd really enjoy him, honestly, for real. He's more of a okay. philosopher than, than a Christian. He's a, he's a philosopher who okay. was raised in a Christian culture, honestly. But, but dude, you should uh, you should resend me that uh, that music. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, I, I want to hear what you think about it. I liked it. I was a fan. Yeah. It made me feel good. I recently that's, started, that's started writing this song. I don't know if it would fit in with the stuff that we're doing, but one of the mm-hmm. lines is. Uh, there is no God, but I love my God. Okay. But I don't know if that's, like, the trail you're trying to go down. I mean, this this last stuff that I wrote was just, like, dealing with intense emotional response yeah. that I was feeling. Yeah, we can, we can mean, keep it in that, in that ballpark, for sure. Yeah. No doubt. That's, that's, an interesting, uh, that's an interesting way to put it, though. Because like people, people want that. Because we're we're used to being in relationship with people, right? Right. And so it makes like this relationship you're supposed to have with God easier if you can kind of think about it like you're. It's just another relationship with a person. Like God's kind of like a person, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like created in His image, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it also came from the idea that. Um, when it comes down to it, there aren't. There's no mom and there's no dad. 
You know, there, there's mm-hmm. Gary and Cindy. There's Greg and Jenny. Yeah. Mom and yeah. Dad are fabricated, deified, perfect, you know, entities. Yeah. Yeah, like idealized yeah. Uh, things. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anything else you want to yeah, touch I, on? I just... Um... In your life, doesn't have to be freaking spiritual. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I, that is kind of your bit, though, right? <laughs> it's my bit. It's my hook. You, it's you my gotta gimmick. have something. You gotta have a focus, otherwise. Once I get over all this, I don't know what exactly, I'm gonna do. Right? Like, what are you gonna do with your time? Yeah. Once I feel like secure in myself, I don't no, know. No, that's that's do. that's when you should feel insecure. Is when you feel secure. Like oh, I, I'm starting to feel good about things. Something's about something's about to go wrong. Something's about to break. My my ideas are yeah, about right, to break exactly, again. Yeah, that's the whole thing with deconstruction mm-hmm. is you tear down what you had, build something up, but then you got to tear yeah. that down. I think build, really, I, I think the best. Um, so, so a lot of people would be like, oh well, religion is important in my life because it helps me lead a good life. Um, and I think that's a phrase mm-hmm. that you hear a lot of people agree with. But it's like you were saying, like, th- the the idea that God is love. He's not some person out there. He's you doing something for someone else that makes no sense. It's, it's, you, um, it's you forgiving, you know, forgiving the, like, oh, man, this dude attacked me at the Napa store. Like, when I was working at Napa thought I said something about his mom like slam me up against this wall saying wow. I'll come back and kill you and all this stuff and I'm thinking about it, like like I think this guy's I immediately felt bad for him I was like this guy has way more problems than I do and um, and I was angry yeah. for a while but then I realized like it's it's so detrimental to hang on to the anger and that's the natural mm. thing to do like that's that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, that was right. the easy thing to do and the comfortable thing to do was to be angry. Sure. Like that yeah, yeah. he violated my space. I should have kicked his ass. Blah blah blah. But really, it's like yeah. that guy needs love in his life more than someone who is not out assaulting people in public places. Like yeah, and yeah, and I've been through you know therapy and. And seeing shrinks yeah. and stuff like that. And from that, I've learned that the only reason someone does something like that is because that's how they feel about exactly. themselves. Exactly. I, I, who wants to live like that, man? It's yeah. projection. But, uh, dude, resend me that song. I freaking love Borowick. I'm getting back into to writing music again, kind of folky stuff. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple weeks before school starts back. I wanted to put out some material yeah, because dude. hit me up and I'll send it back to you. I've got my own apartment baggage. now, so I can just record whenever. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. That sounds really good. Yeah. Still it. We're calling it right now. Yeah. Can't be taken yeah. back. Thanks so much for um, you know inviting me to to do this. It's been uh, like I said, I was kind of nervous to to participate. Dude, thank you for doing it, man. Like I want to. Yeah, I want to have voices from all over the spectrum. Like, yeah, having having Drew on was a challenge, honestly. Just because I know that our I could hear it. I could hear the strength. Yeah, I could hear it. Like, like you wanted to. 
you did you did an excellent job, dude. You did an excellent that that and and not to discredit Drew at all. Yeah. I enjoyed I hearing Drew, yeah. his his yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was it was a really good conversation. Uh-huh. It it made me ask ask questions, which is which is, you know, that's what you should get out of something For sure, like this. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Try to apply yeah. it, you know. And it's funny too because he's talking he's always talking trash about postmodernism, but having mm-hmm. having an exchange with someone who's not on the same page as you is postmodern. That's very postmodern. Yeah. Like that is exactly. It. Like not actively trying to point out why you are right. wrong and why this ideology is gonna lead you to eternal suffering. That was very postmodern of him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. To do so yeah, it, yeah. It, like I said, it's very, very good. And I know I always well say done. this, but like, I'd love to have little segments, not regularly, but segments where like previous guests come back and you know weigh in on stuff. Yeah, it is like something pops in your head politically, or something like you run into somebody and have an interesting conversation. Feel free, yeah. like you'd be doing me a favor to let me know that you want to pop on for like a ten fifteen minute thing or something or whatever. If you want to open a can of worms, we could do a, a politic talk one time. Yeah, I'd love that. that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I suspect that we'd probably be in pretty similar boats, but uh, yeah. I'm not 100 percent about that. We to preview, I have considered moving to Europe when I finish my degree. Yeah, probably pretty similar boats. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Dude, that, that, did you, you know, that future, future cannon fodder there. I did. I've been hanging out with I Nick took, this past like, like two weeks with. Christmas and, and uh, New Year's not to talk trash on the kid but like it's some, no how how hard is he on it still it's wearing me thin bro yeah like I could I mean I took like it had me hot I, I took like three pages of notes on it yeah just writing down like what he was saying because I was having so many conflicts that I literally could not keep up with them I was like, I was trying to be like, yeah. And honestly, my whole mindset going into it was like, he's young. He's in a yeah. phase. But then some yeah. of the stuff he said, I was like, who are you, are you right now? It's like, oh. Yeah. Anywho. That, that I, I, I really enjoyed that episode as well, cool. though. It Thanks, was, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, and, and Jordan loved it too. Um, oh, really? I saw him for the first time in a couple of years, and he's listened to several episodes. Yeah. That's awesome. And he even mentioned like how much he's like. At first, I didn't like Caleb's music, like I didn't like his voice, but now I really like really? it. Like it's so yeah, huh. yeah. He even digs like the the um, the bits of music that you do on the show and stuff like that. So that's, very cool. That's cool to, that's to talk flattering. about. Yeah. Cool man. Yeah. We'll talk soon, dude. I love you, man. All right, love you too, man. Good talk. Later. Later. That was my Skype interview with Daniel. I know I say this all the time, but I really, really, really want to get him back on sometime soon uh, for a follow-up interview uh, or maybe even a, uh, a surprise episode that uh, is in the works that I don't want to give too much away about, but I think it would be a lot of fun. 
and uh, give a little bit of diversity to the show. So I really hope that you enjoyed that and got to know Daniel a little bit more uh, closely. So anyhow, uh, you can always go to Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Patreon to find out more about Arab Grievances and to support Arab Grievances and get involved in the community. As always, I encourage you to leave a voicemail at 612-460-0364 and you will be heard on the podcast. So feel free to call and say anything that you would like. I won't stop you. Thanks for listening, guys. I love you. Eh, I guess.